the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 1280, The Patriot, is WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. Intelligent Radio. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. The nation's capital is the country's leading hotspot for coronavirus cases now. Here's more from White House correspondent Greg Clugston. There's encouraging news in the effort to combat the coronavirus. The exciting thing for all of us is the decreasing mortality over time. And hospitalizations are down too. But White House Task Force Coordinator Dr. Deborah Burke says the Washington, D.C. metro area remains a concern. The top three states are Maryland, the district, and Virginia. And so there is still significant virus circulating here. Other hotspots include Nebraska, Illinois, and Minnesota. Greg Clugston, Washington. Hong Kong police using tear gas and water cannons on protesters today in a popular shopping district. They don't like a proposed new tough national security law. This is SRN News. Memorial Day weekend might look a little different this year. But this weekend, no matter how you are able to celebrate the holiday... Take a moment to reflect on the sacrifice of those in our military. To salute the veterans of the United States Armed Forces, the greatest warriors to ever walk the face of the earth. Because we know freedom isn't free. Thank you to those that have given their life for our freedom. AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. The Patriot's May Book of the Month is History's Nine Most Insane Rulers by Scott Rank. And you can win a signed copy of the book right now at the Freedom Fan Club page at am1280thepatriots.com. Just past 1 o'clock on this Sunday afternoon, let's take a look at your Twin Cities forecast from the Great Plains Windows and Doors Weather Center. We got mostly cloudy skies today. We'll hit a high of 78. And we got the Brad Carlson Show of the Northern Alliance Radio Network starting right now here on AM 1280, The Patriot. Views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast. We'd like to call the closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. If you'd like to weigh in via Twitter, feel free to do so. Just uh, use hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show, hashtag NarnShow. For any comments or questions regarding today's show content, and as always, we appreciate you tuning in on this uh, beautiful Memorial Day weekend. A little humid this morning, but uh, that's okay. We'll get through it. I see the sun is starting to, to, to peak out a little bit. So we hope you're enjoying this uh, nice, long, relaxing weekend. And, of course, Memorial Day means commemorating those who have paid the ultimate price to protect freedom and liberty in our country. All gave some, but some gave all. And we are definitely commemorating those who gave all uh, this weekend. As a matter of fact, my wife and I stopped by Fort Snelling on uh, Friday afternoon and uh, we paid uh, respect to uh, my wife's sister who was actually a veteran of operation uh, desert storm uh, she didn't uh, pass away in combat she passed away a few years ago at age uh, 48 but she did serve and we did want to uh, stop by and and honor her and, and i bring that up because uh, 
Fort Snelling had flags all up and down the, the road, on the side of the road, and uh, people already getting in the spirit of honoring those, again, who paid the ultimate price. And uh, we can never thank those uh, people enough, to be sure. And uh, as is Memorial Day tradition, a lot of times uh, some TV networks play Saving Private Ryan, which I, for my money, one of the best uh, all-time World War II movies, at least that I have seen. And uh, it just shows what, uh, well, particularly the opening scene, when they're uh, going toward Omaha Beach, many of uh, American soldiers to their certain death. <clears throat> Can't imagine. Can't imagine. So uh, we um, uh, also honor those family members they left behind. They certainly suffered a significant loss, to be sure. Uh, obviously, the as the weekend approaches, the news doesn't stop. And want to... Well, this hour, we're going to talk a lot about the effects of COVID-19, coronavirus... Obviously, every week there's some news and more information that is uh, is coming out. And we knew that uh, a week and a half ago when Governor Tim Walz announced that he was lifting the shelter-in-place order when it expired on, uh, I guess it was May 14th is when it was going to expire, or maybe it was May, no, it was May, maybe it was May 11th. I can't keep my date straight anymore. I think it was May 11th when the shelter-in-place, the stay-at-home order was going to expire, May 18th, whatever it was. And I remember thinking at the time, well, that's great, but there aren't a whole lot of places to go. Bars and restaurants were still closed down. Obviously, a lot of other public places still closed down. A lot of, you know, a lot of more outdoor-type activities were opening up, whether it be golf courses or outdoor gun ranges, which is good. But, you know, there are some places where, where people would like to go. Well, the governor had indicated that on May 20th, he was going to uh, put together an announcement of what public places will be opening. And this is from the Star Tribune story. Uh, bars and restaurants in Minnesota can open June 1 for outdoor service under a revised COVID-19 response strategy announced by Governor Tim Walz on Wednesday. That allows for limited reopening of hair salons and campgrounds. While COVID-19 remains a growing concern, and as of Wednesday, there were 777 deaths and almost 18,000 lab-confirmed infections in Minnesota, Walls said beloved summertime activities can take place amid the pandemic with precautions. While the virus won't yet allow for business as usual, let's do what we do best after winter in Minnesota and head outside. Whether it's a Juicy Lucy, a plate of tamales or a walleye dinner, Minnesotans can support their local restaurant by enjoying a socially distanced meal outdoors. Wall said, outdoor patios and serving areas will be limited to 50 patrons at a time who are encouraged to wear masks and must make reservations. By the way, if you're, if you're going to wear a mask out to dinner, how are you supposed to eat? Okay. I, I, that's the first thing I thought of. Obviously there, the masks are optional and there's a, and you could pull it down, but it just, it's just weird. We encourage you to make a, wear a mask when you go out to eat, okay? Uh, <laughs> which, among other things, will make it easier for state investigators to identify their close contacts if they end up infected later on. Employees must wear masks. Similarly, salons will be allowed to operate at 25% capacity, and stylists and customers will need to don masks. Now, again, that's the first uh, handful of paragraphs in that particular story. Uh, any other public, publicly, uh, prominently public place that's uh, conspicuously absent from that statement? Yeah, what about churches? What about churches? So as I was watching, I was actually watching this via Twitter. It was still during the workday for me. Uh, KSTP political reporter Tom Hauser then finally gave an update about churches, where it was the same social distancing protocols that we've had in place for several weeks, whereas 10 or less people can gather, but only and only outdoors. So Tom Hauser tweeted out, churches can only have 10 people or less outdoors, while bars and restaurants can have up to 50. No, I don't know why either. That was Tom Hauser's tweet. And this was especially disappointing because I hap happen to know, in fact, my uh, uh, pastor was uh, 
uh, he was part of a group of uh, ministers who had worked uh, with the governor on the effective uh, response to safely uh, reopening. And it was an email he sent to uh, congregants uh, the day after, so this would have been Thursday, uh, May 21st. And before I get to that, I'll also read another tweet from Tom Hauser. He said, the governor seemed to suggest, because people were obviously pushing back. He's like, wait, 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 time out, time out, time out. So bars and restaurants can have up to 50 people gathering outdoors, but churches can't have more than 10. And those also have to be outdoors. That, how, governor, how do, you, how do you square that circle? That doesn't even make sense. And the governor seemed to, this is Tom Hauser's tweet, the governor seemed to suggest who will show up to churches is less predictable than who will show up in bars and restaurants. They have not specified the science guiding any of this. And that's a key point there, because whenever people are questioning why these decisions are being made the way they are, we're being told by these sanctimonious progressives, well, we've got to, we've got to trust the science. We've got to trust the science, because progressives, in their mind, they're the ones who have cornered the market on science. They're the only ones who, who base policy and, and, uh, and decisions on sound science, and science supersedes everything. And it's kind of funny, some of these progressives that always say we need to trust the science are also the ones who tout that there are more than two genders and that it's okay to uh, kill a baby a week before it's scheduled to be born and that let's stick a COVID-riddled elderly person back in a long-term care facility. Okay, So I'm not really in the mood to be lectured by these people uh, on science when they seem to use the exact opposite in so many other areas. (coughs) But I digress. So our, my, uh, my pastor, where, where my wife and I attend church, uh, I, I also I follow him on Twitter, obviously, and he put up uh, several angry face emojis, which our pastor is as apolitical as any pastor I've, I have ever had. And uh, that's not to say he doesn't have uh, political beliefs or leans one way or the other on his politics, but, it, but it's, not impo- it's not important in the grand scheme of things in the kingdom of God, and he, and he, he keeps it in that proper perspective. But with this, uh, to show five angry-faced emojis, it's like, whoa, okay, uh, this is interesting. And then the very next tweet, he responded to a Pat, uh, Pat Kessler, who's a WCCO political reporter, was also reporting that the, gov- that the governor was uh, limiting church services to 10, and how Governor Walls says he struggled with this, and that there's no perfect answer, still trying to figure out how to make this happen, strong sense of urgency to figure this out. And my pastor replied, well, the question was why people can gather in larger numbers, but churches are singled out as unsafe? The governor says he has no answer for that discrepancy? Really difficult to understand how this is science. And again, these are some of the stronger words that I've seen my pastor convey in such a public forum such as this. And again, to go back to Tom Hauser quoting the governor, where he said, well, people showing up to churches, that's less predictable than who will show up in bars and restaurants. If you're not going to show any kind of data or scientific data to back up that statement, why do you make a statement like that? Don't you think you're going to get pushback on something? Like a, like a, statement, on a statement like that? And, and you can't come up with a better response? And people say, whoa, 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 time out, time out. Governor, what, what, what criteria are you using? People who show up to church less predictable than who will show up in bars and restaurants? Cite your source. But didn't have an answer for it. And again, this is from our pastor. He uh, put out an uh, email to our uh, to members of the congregation saying, how I, I was surprised by the governor's announcement of the phases of reentry that the state will be allowing on June 1. Why was I surprised? For the previous six weeks, we have participated in a group with pastors in Minnesota who were invited to meet with the governor to assist in the reentry plans for churches. We submitted research that covered practical, responsible protocols for the churches to follow that would meet every standard that businesses and organizations are utilizing to open safely. Collectively, we were led to believe that these protocols would be utilized in the state's process for a gradual, phased-in reopening of churches over the weeks and months to come. I was surprised because none of the plans or recommendations were included in the governor's approach for the next three phases that were introduced in his press conference. I am saddened by the reality that churches are not trusted to foster safe environments, and the ministry that we provide 
is not recognized as important to the people making decisions for the people of Minnesota. Now, I uh, put a, I uh, posted something, and then shortly thereafter, I posted a story about some Catholic bishops and officials with the Minnesota-Missouri uh, Synod uh, portion of the Lutheran Church said, you know what, we're going to go ahead and we're going to start um, start holding Mass and services, uh, I guess the Catholic Church, Tuesday, May 26th, was when they were going to start up with Mass again. And I said, you know what, this was the next logical step. These church leaders, officials, worked for six weeks on protocols to ensure that everybody walking through their doors would would be safe. Okay, and obviously people were still going to have to exercise their discretion, particularly the elderly, because we know how this disproportionately affects the elderly people and those with underlying health issues. So, you know, we still have to exercise our discretion, and undoubtedly those people will. So people will continue to stay away from from the physical church building, but church will still continue to be online. Church has always—our church has been holding, uh, broadcasting their service online for a few years now. And there's been occasions, you know, before this COVID nonsense started, that my wife and I, if we were busy on a, on a Sunday or had something to do right after church, sometimes it was more convenient for us to do church from home. Not often, but we did it from home every once in a while, and it was fine. And so that would still be available to people. But that in-person worship and contact and congregating is still needed, still very vital. And there were some... And even some pastors who were kind of condescending about that. So, well, we, we, we need to protect the, the vulnerable people. What? So those who are wanting to reopen their congregations aren't factoring that in at all? That's kind of a, that's a, that's kind of a nonsensical statement. So uh, there, there's definitely more to get into uh, regarding this, including an update uh, on the, the revision for the church policy. The governor uh, probably being faced with uh, violating the First Amendment, freedom to... Uh, Worship and how government shall make no laws inhibiting one's freedom uh, to worship. Uh, that kind of made him have a change of heart. It's amazing how that works. So uh, we'll be back in mere moments to talk more about that. And if you'd like to weigh in, feel free. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with a, another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-555-2085. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-555-2085. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-555-2085. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-555-2085. 800-555-2085. Whoa. Look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. Tall bunion plumbing and drains. Legendary service, install and repair. We'll fix anything with legendary care. Tall bunion is chopping prices on water heaters. Get a 40-gallon atmospheric water heater with installation by a certified technician for just $999, plus permit if needed. If you're having problems with your worn-out water heater, call Paul Bunyan Plumbing and Drains for their $999 special. Certain restrictions apply. For details, visit heypaul.com. Running a business in normal times is tough enough. Now, throw in the new challenges of a pandemic, and wow, can it be overwhelming. Hi, my name is Michael with Vanguard Cleaning Systems of Minnesota, and we're here to help you. Vanguard has been on the front lines this entire time helping essential businesses remain open and safe, and we remain compliant to the CDC's ever-changing guidelines for cleaning and disinfecting. 
We advise you in best practices for keeping your business safe for both employees and customers and provide a certification after each cleaning for your records with highly visible public signage for all to see. Vanguard is truly unique in that we help businesses any way we can. From free advice on daily operations during these challenging times to customizing a cleaning plan based on your specific needs and budget. Cleaning and disinfecting is what we do best. Go to VanguardCleaningMN.com to schedule a no-obligation consultation or quote. That's VanguardCleaningMN.com. We're proudly helping keep Twin Cities businesses open and safe. AM 1280, The Patriot, and iHeartRadio. They go together like the Liberty Bell and its crack. Listen at iHeart.com or with the free iHeartRadio mobile app. Welcome back, AM 1280 Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Once upon a time, it dressed so fine. Do the bumps of dime in your prime. It's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. Also, feel free to weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag NARNShow. And uh, we do have a caller on the line. Uh, Pat is calling in from Minneapolis. Hi, Pat. You are on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go ahead. Yes, hi. Um, I have a suggestion, actually. I I have been, uh, I'm a senior, and I have been a little bit uh, angered about them, um, the, the church people, the powers that be, all of the pastors and so forth, um, saying that, course, the elderly shouldn't go to the masses or the services or the temples or whatever. And I'm thinking, we're the closest ones to death. We need this kind of consolation for one thing. For another thing, um, I think that churches should be more like Target or Cub or some of these other stores that accommodate seniors earlier in the day, right after the cleaning at night, first ones in there have a special uh, time just for seniors. Why can't churches be more like Target? And so I'm, I'm thinking, too, that if the pastors don't want the elderly there, then the elderly pastors shouldn't do their services either and just let the young priests or pastors do it. So I have a little bit of anger behind this call. But I also know that, especially for daily mass going Catholics, most of us that are there are seniors because a lot of others were working and were retired. Sure. So I'm wondering about making that accommodation, um, accommodation to the seniors, if that's a possibility. Uh, maybe we would feel safer that way. That's, I, I, you know, I don't know. But I feel that if the target and them can do it, maybe there's a way of the church is doing it as well. I wondered what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Pat. That's an excellent point. And now that the churches have a little more discretion, and this was an announcement Governor Walls made yesterday, he was going to acquiesce to allowing churches to open up to 25% occupancy or 250 people, whichever number is lower. Now, the church I attend, the main sanctuary, I think, has, I think, 22,000 uh, 2, people, so 25% of that is 500, but uh, the governor's established a limit of 250 people, so you know it would have to be 250 in our main sanctuary where my wife and I attend church. Uh, a couple thoughts I have on that, Pat, and I'm glad you brought that up. First of all, I, I appreciate everyone looking out for the elderly. I'm very cognizant of that my mother is 78, and I, 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 and she's got some underlying health issues. So I'm obviously very careful in the in the rare occasions I've had to visit my mother in person over the last couple of months. So I'm very sensitive to that. But here's my thing: Has anybody ever asked the vulnerable and elderly what what they want? Has anybody asked them? You know, hey, this is what could happen. Here are the risks. We have to advise you of the risks. And once they're advised of the risks, are they still able to make their own decisions? Now, there are some who may have some, uh, you know, in memory care, cognitive issues. You don't have to necessarily be elderly to have cognitive issues, but that has stricken a lot of the elderly in these long-term facilities. Maybe they can't. They don't have the wherewithal to make that decision. But there are some with some serious physical ailments that are 85 years old or older and say, you know what, I'm not going to get a chance to hug my grandchildren again if I am locked in this long-term care facility and no one's able to visit me. I'd like to be able to visit them, you know, health precautions be damned. 
So I'm glad Pat brought that up, and that's an, that's an excellent point, Pat. Like I said, churches now have the wherewithal to where they can have 25% of capacity. Uh, I don't think it's limited to just Sundays or regular Mass times. They could maybe designate it for seniors. Yeah, that's certainly a question your local church, local diocese could certainly uh, address and hopefully uh, a subject that they could broach. So we appreciate the call, Pat. Uh, I It was interesting, Governor Walls, I, I think knowing that there was severe unrest and there was no rationale or a coherent explanation why he was limiting churches to just 10 people or less, That and with all of the threats of First Amendment lawsuits being thrown at him, ones that they didn't have any legal footing to stand upon, that he was willing to meet these churches and make a compromise. And NASCAR Kelly was on Mitch's show yesterday, uh, NASCAR Kelly, friend of the show, and she brought up how, I, get, I think she's part of the Catholic Church, and if I remember right, I think she said a lot of these Catholic officials were saying, well, at least give us a third of the occupancy inside. We're doing all of the proper social distancing and other uh, disinfectant and cleanliness protocols in order to you know, acquiesce to these COVID standards. We're willing to do that, first and foremost, for the safety of our congregants. To think that we just want to gather together and and just cross our fingers and hope nothing happens. No one is taking that approach. Everybody's being very careful. That's why uh, the Catholic Church and the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church uh, of Minnesota came out and said, you know what, we appreciate the governor's uh, thoughts on this, but we're going to go ahead and open. We've shown him what our plan is. We think it's a very reasonable and fair plan, and he completely rebuffed us. Well, okay, we're just going to go ahead. And I would have loved to have seen uh, Congressman Ke- or Congressman Attorney General Keith Ellison uh, tried to enforce that against churches like he tried to enf- enforce preventing a, a certain business from opening. Only have a few minutes left in this. We, not only were church officials blindsided, but as were small business owners, restaurant owners blindsided. And uh, I've got some audio from Brian Ingram. He's the owner of Hope Breakfast Bar in St. Paul. And he's not a public speaker, not a public figure, not very political at all. But this clip, about two and a half minutes long, he basically lays out about how even this concession by the state is more likely than not to irreparably harm his business. So, Jason, if we have that uh, audio, Brian Ingram, the owner of Hope Breakfast Bar in St. Paul. First, let me uh, start this video with I don't know what the right answers are. Um, I just know what the governor just did to us as small restaurant owners is a death sentence. Um, again, I don't know all the right answers, but I do know that a lot of us went out and spent the last of our savings to get our restaurants ready to open June 1st. We built partitions. We started retraining staff. We started bringing in goods to get ready for this. And for the governor to announce that we can't open except for a patio with a max of 50 people is a death sentence. Uh, Wisconsin, lots of border states. Everybody now is driving over there to go eat at restaurants and go to other places. So effectively what you're doing is doing nothing other than driving people to drive further to go to restaurants. So all of these local restaurants in Minnesota are, are dead. We're literally dead. Our, our life savings are gone. Everything that we've worked for our entire lives are gone. Our kids, our colleges and tuitions and all of that stuff None of those payments stopped. We didn't get unemployment. We don't get disaster relief loans. We don't get insurance interruption. All of that was denied. So the only people that got money are big banks and it's it's madness. And for you to say that restaurants here in Minnesota can't open is literally a death sentence. You didn't care what we went through, the expenses we went through to make sure that our staff and our guests were safe. This, this is so crazy and so heartbreaking for all of us. How many people in the restaurant community uh, are, are gonna literally with mental health, they could pass away from this. this. This is going to destroy families. It's gonna destroy institutions of restaurants. I don't, I don't even know what to say at this point other than, I, I don't know. There's no lifeline for us. There's no anything for us. Um, Again, I don't know what the right answers are, but I know that what the governor just did for us and 
50 people on a patio when 90% of the restaurants don't even have a patio, we're dead. It's, we're, we're dead. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Mm. Okay, we'll stop right there. Just raw emotion shown by Brian Ingram. Again, he the owner of Hope Breakfast Bar in St. Paul. And that's heartbreaking to, to hear that because, you know, even this little concession is not good enough. And if people are living in, like, Woodbury and Stillwater and Maplewood over those areas, Wisconsin's a little closer anyways. So it's just driving business across the border. Just uh, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Appreciate uh, Brian Ingram sharing that. That's just was just some raw emotion on, uh, on his part. So prayers up for all these business owners, that's for sure. Back in mere moments, me, Brad Carlson, The Closer, AM1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. relief factor pain relief that's natural pain relief that works and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain i come from the doctor's clinic this morning 28 staples out of my knee and i am not taking painkillers why because i don't need to i'm taking relief factor yes it's a triple dose but it doesn't have any negative side effects and i am doing just fine thank you very much that's the experience of tens of thousands of americans who are taking relief factor right now see their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just 1995 that's less than a dollar a day that's truly remarkable to be liberated from your pain for less than a dollar a day find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today go right now relieffactor.com relieffactor.com this is your opportunity to be the next success story hi this is lee and this is matt from the kingdom builders about 22 years ago i remember doing my father's roof in bloomington after a huge hailstorm had gone through And now he just had me come out and take a look at his roof because he wants to make sure it's okay. 22 years old now. Most roofs in that time era were good for about 20, 25, maybe 30 years. So if you're looking to get an honest assessment on whether your 22-year-old roof is still good, give us a call. Yeah, Lee, I remember that storm too. And as I drive around Burnsville, uh, Bloomington, the South Metro, I see all of these roofs that replaced back in 1998. And it may be time for an assessment for us to come out and let you know if you have a year or three left or if now is a good time to get those shingles replaced. For an honest assessment on your roof or gutters, give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up on the web at thekingdombuilders.com. That's thekingdombuilders.com. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere. Allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Welcome back, AM 12 at the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NARDSHOW, hashtag N-A-R-N-SHOW. For any comments or questions, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. You know what I don't understand is why that... Media and less pardon the redundancy uh, completely discount positive stories about this uh, coronavirus and the uh, battle against the COVID 19 pandemic. Uh, I talked a lot about Georgia last week and Governor Brian Kemp on how he was ridiculed for wanting to open on April 20th 
because his state was in the top 10 or 15 of most uh, confirmed coronavirus cases, and it was one of the last states to shelter in place, and people thought he let precious time tick away and all these unnecessary infections and deaths happened because of him, and now he wants to reopen tar- tattoo parlors and bowling alleys and salons. I mean, what an idiot. Da, da, da. And, and thus far, Brian Kemp has been vindicated because he followed the science. You know how these sanctimonious progressives keep telling us to do is follow the science? Brian Kemp did that every step of the way, and Georgia has been one of the success stories. Well, Georgia's neighbor just in the south, Florida, the same thing. And you know what? I, I fell for it. I fell for it regarding Florida. I, I said on this very show, I mocked these spring breakers in late March that were doing these crazy things on the beach as this at, at the very beginning of this pandemic. And then I read a story a week later about how there were confirmed cases that came out, came from the spring breakers, saying, well, gee, that was utterly predictable. But uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, who was elected back in uh, 2018, he implemented a strategy that caused people to do you uh, put the hashtag Florida moron on Twitter that was trending on Twitter because they were responding to Ron DeSantis. Particularly, he was beginning to reopen the state. He opened the beach up in Duval County, which is Jacksonville, northern part of the state. I believe it's near the Panhandle, if I have my geography right. And Rich Lowry of National Review sat down and published an interview he did with uh, Ron De- Governor DeSantis, and how Governor DeSantis is finally getting to do a victory lap because Florida is one of the prominent success stories. It's like the third largest populated state in the country, but as a whole, not even per ca- not even figuring per capita, but its death toll is one of the lowest. Okay, and per capita, it's even that much lower. But if you want to take just raw numbers, just total death toll, it's significantly low. And wouldn't you think? That governors in these states, i.e. New York and New Jersey, which comprise close to a quarter of the death toll, which is reaching 100,000 nationwide, don't you think that they'd want to know what Governor DeSantis is doing? So again, this is a National Review, Rich Lowry. A couple of months ago, the media, almost as one, decided that Governor Ron DeSantis was a public menace who was going to get Floridians killed with his lax response to the coronavirus crisis. In an interview with National Review, DeSantis says he was surprised at how knee-jerk the hostile coverage was, but he also knew that none of these people knew anything about Florida at all, so I didn't care what they were saying. The conventional wisdom has begun to change about Florida as the disaster so widely predicted hasn't materialized. It's worth delving into the state's response, as described by DeSantis and a couple of members of his team, because it is the opposite of the media narrative of a Trump-friendly governor disregarding the facts to pursue a reckless agenda. DeSantis and his team have followed the science closely from the beginning. Whoa, 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 whoa. Republican governor following the science? Do tell! Uh, Which is why they forged a nuanced approach, but one that focused like a laser on the most vulnerable population— those in nursing homes. An irony of the national coverage of the coronavirus crisis is that at the time DeSantis was being made into a villain, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo was being elevated as a hero, even though DeSantis' approach to nursing homes was obviously superior to that of Cuomo. Florida went out of its way to get COVID-19 positive people out of nursing homes, while New York went out of its way to get them in, a policy now widely acknowledged to have been a debacle. So much so that Governor Cuomo is now blaming Trump for this, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, Anyways, the media didn't exactly have their eyes on the ball. The day that the media had their first big freakout from Florida was March 15th, DeSantis recalls, which was there were people on Clearwater Beach, and it was this big deal. That same day is when we signed the executive order to, one, ban visitation in the nursing homes, and two, ban the reintroduction of a COVID-positive patient back into a nursing home. Santis is bemused by the obsession with Florida's beaches. When they opened in Jacksonville, it was a big national story, usually relayed with a dire tone, Jacksonville has almost no COVID activity outside of a nursing home context, he says. Their hospitalizations are down, ICU down, since the beaches opened a month ago, and yet nobody talks about it. It's just like, okay, we move on to the next target. Perhaps more understandably, the villages, the iconic senior community, was a focus of media worries. 
According to DeSantis, as of last weekend, there hadn't been a single resident of the villages in the hospital for COVID-19 for about a week. At one point, the infection rate in the villages was so low that state officials were worried they were missing something. So I got the University of Florida to do a study, DeSantis says. They did 1,200 asymptomatic seniors at the villages, and not one of them came back positive, which was really incredible. So how did DeSantis go about responding to the epidemic? It began with the data and trying to learn uh, lessons of other countries. At the outset, DeSantis looked at South Korea's experience. I just thought it was so dramatic the extent to which this was concentrated in the older age groups. I think the first real fresh set of South Korea numbers I looked at, I think it had no fatalities under 30, and then 80% of them were 70 and above or something like that. It was really, really dramatic. Then there was Italy. I think the policymakers in the U.S. acted like Italy would happen in the United States. But when you look under the hood of Italy, there were huge differences, and there were reasons why that part of Italy fared as poorly as it did. I think the median age of fatality was something like 82 in some of those areas in northern Italy. So we looked at that, but that really helped inform the strategy to focus most of our efforts on the at-risk groups. He was hesitant about sweeping lockdowns, given that there wasn't much of a precedent for them. One of the things that bothered me throughout this whole time, I researched the 1918 pandemic, 1957, 1968, and there were some mitigation efforts done in May of 1918, but just never a national shutdown type deal, he says. There was really no observed experience about what the negatives would be on that. Uh, This is kind of a long story, so I'm going to kind of uh, skip ahead to some of the salient issues. Now, as we mentioned, Florida had a very large elderly population. Uh, The state had roughly 350,000 residents and staff at more than 4,000 long-term care facilities. So this was really the uh, major difference, what set Florida apart in their uh, strategy. Let's see if I can um, can find that uh, aspect of the story. So what DeSantis did, and I can't seem to find it, and my screen is locked up. That's uh, horrible timing. (laughs) So what DeSantis did... Now, I've read the story a couple of times, so I'm able to uh, disseminate it from, from memory for the most part, is he focused on these long-term care facilities, these nursing homes. Um, they, Because what was it we were hearing early on? We have to get as much personal protective equipment into the hospitals as soon as possible to protect the medical care workers because there is a shortage of it. Well, that, that, that seems like a sound strategy, right? But what Florida did, they didn't send so much to hospitals as much as they did to the long-term care facilities because you could have staff at these long-term care facilities being stricken with COVID, being asymptomatic, but because it's so contagious, it's easily spread to anybody else. And if it gets spread to the residents, it could ultimately be fatal because these are elderly people who have, most of them have underlying health conditions, right? So... That was the that was what his, his strategy differed from so many others. They saw right away this disproportionately affected the elderly community. So we're going to get the PPE into these nursing homes, protect everyone at all costs. And here was another key distinction. As soon as they found out anyone was infected with COVID in that nursing home, okay, if it was a, particularly if it was a patient, they were taken to a hospital, treated, and they were never allowed back in that nursing home. And that caused quite a stir with Medicare. And Ron DeSantis and his administration basically said, you know what? We don't care about the Medicare implications. We care about keeping these senior citizens, our most vulnerable, safe from this because it's incredibly uh, contagious. And if it gets to any of the other seniors, as we have seen here in Minnesota, of the over 800 COVID deaths, 80% have been in long-term care facilities. So DeSantis' strategy was, they're not allowed back into that nursing home. And guess what? There are infections, positive cases of coronavirus in long-term care facilities in Florida has been a minuscule percentage compared to other states. So, again, why would you not want to look at Florida and what they've been doing as a success story? How can you talk, call that anything but a success story? Now, there's a lot of reasons why they pig-piled upon DeSantis. And again, it's the same reason they pig-piled upon Brian Kemp. Is DeSantis and Brian Kemp are middle-aged white guys. 
and each of them defeated an African-American in their respective races for governor. Democrats love their identity politics. And in this case, Ron DeSantis defeated Andrew Gillum, who <clears throat> has turned out to have his own issues once uh, <laughs> after he lost his race. We won't go into that because it's not, a, it's not relevant. You can Google it if you want. Andrew Gillum, male escort. Anyways, uh, so they're just bitter because someone like DeSantis, who is a Trump-friendly governor, is having success, and they can't acknowledge it. And they get into kooky conspiracy theories, which I will talk about in the, uh, in the next segment. But DeSantis, to his credit, for the most part, just kept his head down in implementing this strategy. And this is, this is another key point. A lot of people were complaining about why Donald Trump didn't do a nationwide shelter-in-place or nationwide stay-at-home order. And it was stupid. It's just asinine on its face that you're going to do a one-size-fits-all for the entire country. It doesn't even work for one state. Florida, for example, 60% of the cases were concentrated in the southeastern part of the state, which has 30% of the residents. So that's why Ron DeSantis felt okay about opening beaches in Duval County, the northern part of the state, because they didn't have nearly as many cases, confirmed cases up there. And they were practicing the proper social distancing once they were reopened. Whereas concentrated down in the southeastern part of the state, which obviously is Broward County, Miami, few pe- few people down there, okay, they had to take a different approach. And this is why that, you know, Trump is, is deserved to be criticized on a lot of things about this. There's no question about it. I'm not going to defend Trump on everything. But what I, will, what I will say is for him to leave it to the state's governors is the most appropriate approach because guess what? They have access to this granular data where they can take a more nuanced approach and not a one-size-fits-all for the state. Uh, so I'm going to wrap up this segment real quick, but before I do, I want to get to this audio. Ron DeSantis kept his head down, did his work. He and his administration did their work. But now it's time for him. He's not taking a victory lap necessarily, but I think he has a right to hit back at the media. So this cut, uh, cut number two, Ron DeSantis hitting back at the media for their uh, tactics and reporting on his state. Our data is available. Our data is transparent. In fact, Dr. Burks has talked multiple times about how Florida has the absolute best data So any insinuation otherwise is just typical partisan narrative trying to be spun. And part of the reason is that because you got a lot of people in your profession who waxed poetically for weeks and weeks about how Florida was going to be just like New York. Wait two weeks, Florida's going to be next. Just like Italy, wait two weeks. Well, hell, we're eight weeks away from that, and it hasn't happened. Not only do we have a lower death rate, well, we have way lower deaths generally, we have a lower death rate than the Acela Corridor, D.C., everyone up there. We have a lower death rate than the Midwest, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. But even in our region, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida has the lower death rate. And I was the number one landing spot from tens of thousands of people leaving the number one hot zone in the world to come to my state. So we've succeeded, and I think that people just don't want to recognize it because it challenges their narrative it challenges their assumption so they got to try to find a boogeyman maybe it's that there are black helicopters circling the department of health if you believe that um, i got a bridge in brooklyn i'd like to sell you last question i'm standing i'm i it's not conducive uh, to radio but i'm giving a standing ovation in my home office right now that was awesome and he deserves that ron DeSantis deserved to lash out because you know what uh, he was doing his job and you know what? Sometimes it can be a thankless job in being in politics. He understands that. But at the end of the day, when people are playing politics with the lives of others, uh, eventually it gets to be enough is enough. So uh, when we come back, uh, the conspiracy theories surrounding Florida didn't stop. Uh, this, this is a doozy, this one coming up, final segment. And we're also available to take your call, 651-289-4488. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with one final segment this hour. Go nowhere. AM 1280, The Patriot. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280, The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. AM 
Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. We know staying in is a little easier when you can grill out. That's why Ace will help you get a great grill for your family from the best brands like Big Green Egg, Traeger, and Weber. And with your local Ace right in your neighborhood, we'll assemble and deliver your grill for free. Then, to make it even easier, we'll include free fuel to help you get grilling. The brands you love and the service you trust, only at Ace. Offer valid for Ace Rewards members through May 31st. On grills and accessories, $3.99 and up. Propane tag not included. See participating stores for scheduling or exclusions. Armchair psychologists have tried and failed to throw doubt on President Trump's sanity. There's a new book that puts famous insane leaders in historic perspective. It's called History's Nine Most Insane Rulers. Author Scott Rank has unearthed the real lives of the nine most mentally unbalanced leaders through the ages. Some suffered from schizophrenia, like King Charles VI of France, who thought he was made of glass. Then there's Ottoman Sultan Ibrahim, the first who practiced his archery skills by pointing his arrows at his palace servants. Order the new book, History's Nine Most Insane Rulers, today at Amazon or wherever books are sold. Let's welcome Jeremy Camp. Hope comes home with I Still Believe. You can download it now at WatchSalemMedia.com. From the creators of I Can Only Imagine comes the uplifting true life story of Christian music megastar Jeremy Camp. I'm supposed to be with her. I can't explain it. I just know that. Jeremy's hope and faith are put to the test when tragedy strikes. You're going to be healed. What if I'm not supposed to be healed? I Still Believe is an incredible story of musical stardom, the heights of love, the depths of loss, and the healing power of the human spirit. One love can change your life. You chose willingly to walk into the fire with her. That's what love is. Witness the true story of Christian music star Jeremy Camp and his journey of love and loss that looks to prove there is always hope. Starring K.J. Appa, Britt Robertson, Gary Sinise, and Shania Twain. Own I Still Believe on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital now from Lionsgate at Watch. SalemMedia.com. That's WatchSalemMedia.com. If it was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on a bulky boombox that burns through D batteries faster than you can say, you've got mail. Thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play the Patriot Minneapolis. It's time to throw out that old beeper and get with the times. Listen to your favorite AM 1280 to Patriot hosts in high quality with Alexa and Amazon Echo. In an era of fake news and misleading headlines, turn to a leader in accurate reporting, townhall.com. Get caught up with today's top stories, find brilliant commentary from our columnists, and have a laugh with our political cartoons at townhall.com. Welcome back. I'm 1280 Northern Alliance Radio Network. It's me, Brad Carlson. One final segment. This hour, it's a short segment, so we'll try to get through it as uh, quickly as we can. Talking about Florida, uh, kind of a kooky conspiracy theory coming out of Florida. There was a story that came out about a woman by the name of uh, Dr. Rebecca Jones. And this is from uh, TallahasseeReports.com, by the way. Uh, She was a State Department of Health employee who was fired by the administration of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a Trump ally, after she says she refused to manipulate data to support the governor's plan to reopen the state. But a deeper look at the underlying facts expose a less sensational yet all-too-common narrative. A media frenzy caused by a deep-seated desire to report on scandal and cover-ups, which Rebecca Jones claims delivered, if only they were true. They are not. Uh, And a few things, I I don't have time to get through all these claims, but a few things. Uh, She claimed she was the architect of Florida's COVID-19 dashboard where they report the, uh, where they, they keep track of the data, all the co- relevant COVID data, and then export it into a website and disseminate it to uh, consumers. Well, it turns out this was from a module uh, service called ARCGIS. So it's basically a pre-programmed template. Okay. And secondly, it said there was a claim she was a coronavirus science. No, she wasn't. She had a doctorate degree in geography. So her skill set as applicable to COVID-19 was in mapping data, uh, as had been indicated uh, in another uh, claim. Uh, She was asked to manipulate, here's the real sensational claim. Uh, Dr. Jones was asked to manipulate data to support the governor's plan to reopen Florida. The truth, Jones was asked to temporarily disable data to export, uh, disable the ability to export data from the dashboard so that it could be verified that the data matched other sources. And this was a request by scientists. Again, we're, you, these, so we're all told to believe the scientists. 
and the science. Okay, well, the scientists specifically requested, hey, temporary disable that. We want to be sure that we may have the most accurate data possible. Well, they turn that into, oh, my God, she's manipulating the data so that the governor can justify reopening his state. And honest to God, there were people... Now, Twitter's hot garbage. I get that. So to cite what is being said on Twitter is probably not uh, the best reference point. But nevertheless, you had kooks on Twitter basically saying that the death toll in Florida was so understated that they're storing bodies up somewhere. They're hiding dead bodies so as to not uh, show that there are really more deaths in Florida and therefore trying to make it look better than it is. Well, Governor DeSantis, once again, at that same press conference that Soundbite was referenced earlier, uh, last segment, uh, he was asked about uh, Dr. Rebecca Jones being fired. And once again, Governor Ron DeSantis sets the record straight. Jason, if you have cut number three ready, let's hear that one. Right. So first of all, okay. So one, she's not she's not a data scientist. She's somebody that's got degree in journalism, communication, and geography. She is not involved in collating any data. She does not have the expertise to do that. She is not an epidemiologist. She is not the the chief architect of our web portal. That is another false statement. And what she was doing was she was putting data on the portal, which the scientists didn't believe was valid data. So she didn't listen to the people who were her superiors. She had many people above her in the chain of command. Um, and so then so she was dismissed because of that and because of a bunch of different reasons about how she did. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. She was insubordinate and therefore she was fired because she was insubordinate. Do people get fired for insubordination? Really? That happens? Uh, honest to God, it, it's just so pathetic that you know, look, I'm I'm not going to say that the media relishes in the increasing death toll that results from COVID because inevitably they have people close to them that have perished because of this. So I'm not I'm not going to say such a damning thing at all. But I will say that they are doing an incredible disservice by trying to run with these sensationalistic stories without even checking basic facts. But the problem is, do you, do you ever notice that when they get the sensationalism wrong, it's only in the one di- it's only in one direction. It only hurts conservatives and Republican representation, and embarrasses them. It's never an error in the other way, never. So uh, again, kudos to uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida, uh, setting the record straight both on how his state has handled the COVID nineteen uh, situation and then firing this woman who was insubordinate, uh, people trying to make her out to be a martyr. She wasn't a martyr. She was just insubordinate. And guess what? Employees who are insubordinate get fired. That happens in all facets of business, politics, what have you. Hour number one, hour number one in the books, hour number two coming back. Mere moments. Brad Carlson, The Closer. Back in a few. We can all agree that a good education benefits students, their family, and society as a whole. Education shapes your child into the person they will become. Join your local hosts, Rebecca Hagstrom and Mark Durkin, as they explore how to get the best education for your child while ensuring that the values you're teaching at home are being respected. From cursive to curriculum and everything in between, school is now in session. Education Nation, Saturdays at 6 p.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot. Your safety is of the utmost importance to the Invergrove Hyundai family. They want you to know that you can shop their entire inventory online at InvergroveHyundai.com. And if you're in need of a new Hyundai right now, it's a great time to buy. All Hyundai Elantras and Hyundai Tucsons come with 0% financing for 84 months. You'll find over 500 vehicles to choose from, and Invergrove Hyundai's internet managers will answer any of your questions. You can do all the paperwork online as well. Even though their sales and service department is open for business, Invergrove Hyundai will deliver the vehicle to your home for your test drive and, of course, after your purchase is completed. Every new Hyundai comes with America's best warranty, 10-year, 100,000-mile limited powertrain and Hyundai Assurance. The world as we know it may have changed, but the incredible customer service that you'll receive at Invergrove Hyundai has not. Stay safe, and when you're ready, visit them online at InvergroveHyundai.com. That's InvergroveHyundai.com. We're here with another satisfied JTR Roofing customer. 
What did your home need? We needed an exteriors update. We needed roofing, siding, um, entry doors, and our storm doors replaced. Why did you choose JTR Roofing? After meeting with their sales team and looking at the products that we're offering, as well as the warranty, it was an easy choice to choose JTR. What did you think of the work JTR did? The job was completed in a timely manner. The crews were very professional and the workmanship was outstanding. We didn't have any surprises along the way or on our final bill. JTR was very knowledgeable and made it very comfortable from start to finish. Our house looks great. We received multiple compliments from friends and family. I was 100% satisfied with the work from JTR. Go to JTRRoofingInc.com to set up your no-obligation consultation. That's JTRRoofingInc.com. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company helps you customize your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Unlike things you paid for you didn't need, like the Vacnado 2000. A Wi-Fi-connected vacuum that uploads Dust Bunny data to the cloud for real-time optimization. <laughs> Whatever that means. But really, it's just a very expensive doggy chew toy. With Liberty Mutual, get customized home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty.